So this afternoon and every afternoon at this time we'll be doing the metta practice, the loving-kindness practice. And it's helpful for me to know how many of you have not done the metta practice before. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how many of you who have done the metta practice do not yet have your own phrases in your uh, practice that you stay with. It's, in other words, do you depend on the phrases that the teacher would give you during the metta time? So how many of you do not have your own phrases? Okay, so it gives me a sense of how much to repeat the phrases. I'd like to speak a little bit about metta before we actually do the practice so that we just start it out properly. All of you, most of you know that metta is the Pali word for loving-kindness. And this is the aim of our practice, is to incline the mind over and over again to loving-kindness. This uh, practice that we're doing is inclining the mind towards that uh, attitude of the mind. As we all notice, from just looking deeply within, we don't have that as an automatic inclination of the mind. And so by practicing over and over again, no matter what situation comes up with the various persons that we offer our loving kindness to and the various things that we reflect upon about these individuals that we use during our practice, No matter what comes up, we incline the mind towards loving-kindness. So this is a very uh, wholesome training of the mind. So there are two aims, you might say, of the practice. It's to make this inclination of the mind, this wholesome inclination of the mind, very natural and uh, something that would come up spontaneously, of course. The other aim of metta practice is to develop concentration. And I say that, I mention that about the development of concentration because for many people to train the mind to incline towards loving kindness feels to a lot of us at times that we're not doing it right or we're not really accomplishing that. We don't feel that we've we actually experience loving-kindness. We may say the words, but the feeling isn't there. So I just want to reassure you that that's okay. During those times when we're, it just seems that we're saying the words rotely, we're planting seeds, and in time that feeling of loving-kindness will come, that natural feeling in the mind and in the heart. But in the meantime, what we're doing is we're developing concentration, which is a very important aspect of developing the mind and the heart, this bhavana, this development of concentration. So even though we're saying the words and it feels rote, that's totally okay. When I first did loving-kindness practice as a practice all by itself, without doing anything else, uh, practicing sitting 
walking, eating, going to the bathroom, um, in between sitting and walking. All I did was loving-kindness practice for a period of a couple of months in intensive practice. It felt very rote to me, and I'm, I feel that most of the time, naturally, my heart inclines to loving-kindness. But during this time of doing the practice and repeating the words and seemingly just rotely so, I saw how concentrated the mind could get. And within that concentration, a lot of the hindrances were kept at bay. So because there was a strong development of a container through the concentration of a container of just uh, by saying the words over and over again, keeping the hindrances at bay, uh, where there was an absence of ill will or the hindrance of aversion. There was more of an absence of attachment. There was an absence of restlessness, of doubt, of sleepiness, because the mind was alert and awake, yet very, very steady as I kept saying those words. I really felt that a very deep sense of loving-kindness came. So either way, sometimes people develop it deeply through concentration. Sometimes people develop loving-kindness through that natural inclination of the mind over and over again. So those two ways are uh, uh, very, very authentic and different times we have different ways of developing it. As human beings, we say we have free will. We say that because we know we have the choice to choose how to respond to certain conditions, certain experiences in life, whether they're experiences within us or experiences that come outside of us, the conditions of the world. But I think as we meditate, we begin to question that. We begin to see that we're not really making choices that are coming from wisdom. That a lot of the times, not all the time, but a lot of times, it's just habit patterns acting out. And we begin to see more and more deeply the habit patterns of aversion and all of its various strands the habit patterns of attachment, and all of those various strands coming from the root of delusion or ignorance. And this kind of opening to that suffering is a wake-up call, really. It helps us to have more energy in really developing these wholesome qualities of mind. We see the patterns of hatred, and attachment, and we know that we have to be awake to them, but we also have to develop that inclination of the mind to go towards the wholesome. When the Buddha was asked, what is, uh, why do we do this? Why do we practice? Why do we train the mind in this way? And the Buddha answered that we train the mind this way to notice what is unwholesome, and to turn the mind towards the wholesome and to develop wisdom. These are the three things that the Buddha had mentioned. So we find that 
in our practice were so locked in what one yogi called so aptly uh, many years ago. We're, we're locked or we're, we get trapped in the cow paths of the mind, the paths that we go over and over again with just through habit. We know we want to choose goodwill over ill will. We know we want to choose that true generosity of heart that givingness over the holding on, over the grasping. But these are forces that are very, very powerful in the world and in our own hearts through habit pattern. So we need powerful practices to counteract these habit patterns of the mind. So here in our metta practice, we're inclining the mind over and over again towards gentleness towards friendliness, towards the uh, spirit of generosity, the spirit of the heart of generosity. Because these old habit patterns are powerful, as I mentioned, we really have to be persistent and uh, moment to moment bring energy to our practice. It's really easy to just give up and to take that easy way out and say, it's no use. It really takes the uh, gentle energy of not giving up, of keep going, keep on going with our practice so that one day we find out when we start doing the practice uh, as a daily practice, we find out that it's coming more spontaneously. It's coming more naturally to our minds. This is an old story, but it has um, it still has some power to it for myself at least to remember that when I first started practice more than 30 years ago, one of the things uh, that I wanted to aim for in my practice was to wake up in the morning and to not feel overwhelmingly worried about life. I was raising children on my own, and I could see that I was just overwhelmed by worry and a sense of being burdened and heavy with life. And that I could notice that there were some times in my life, even then, where I felt a sense of naturally giving of myself when I could tune into that, when I was helping my children or my family or the community around me. I wasn't doing it out of a a worry or a fear of um, just survival. And when I tuned into those moments of really feeling naturally giving of myself um, and not being called to those screaming moments of worry and doubt about my life and fear about my life, that I knew that I wanted to choose that natural place in my heart of giving, of feeling at ease, of feeling gentle, a sense of gentleness in me. And um, I sense that I'm naturally like that, but those other places were screaming for attention through habit over and over again. So one of my aims in the spiritual life was to wake up in the morning 
and to feel a sense of natural ease, to be at ease with the conditions of my life, and to feel at ease with accepting a sense of generosity, which played out quite naturally too, and not to have the mind inclined towards fear, not to have the mind automatically, at the moment I woke up, inclined towards worry, inclined towards, I don't like my life. And so I did the metta practice very fervently for that reason. Whenever I felt that it would incline towards fear or would incline towards ill will or would incline towards attaching to what I really thought it should be, then I did a little metta for myself, did a little metta for others around me. And that habit pattern stayed with me. So I really believe in metta. I really believe in the transformation of one's heart, of the transformation of one's mind and life through this kind of training. So let's do the practice now. When we do this practice, we want to sit comfortably. If you need to move, it's okay to move. We usually need more concentration in order to do metta practice, so for the sake of those around us, and for our own sake especially, be quiet, as quiet as you can, when you need to move to make yourself comfortable. It's helpful to close your eyes so you're not distracted, but if you have to keep your eyes open or open your eyes at any time, it's okay. So let's begin by checking out how it is in the body. Noticing any places where there might be tension. Especially around the eyes, the temples, the jaw. When we're trying too hard, which isn't really helpful in any practice, we usually see it there or around our hands. The body affects the mind, and the mind affects the body. So if we can relax around the body or soften, it has a relaxing effect on the mind. Notice any places of tension and see if we can intentionally soften around those areas. And the places where the tension or holding tightness remains, let it be okay. Just some sympathy, compassion for that area. And let our attention come to the heart center that area around the physical heart, 
It doesn't have to be right at the heart itself, but sometimes right in the chest area, the center of our being there. I've heard that they've done some research on the electromagnetic field of this area. And I've heard that it's 5,000 times more powerful than the electromagnetic field around the head, this area around the heart. Even if it were five times more powerful, that's still a lot of energy. So let our attention rest in that place. And we'll be going through particular individuals during this time together, these days. The first one is oneself. Then we'll go on to a respected being, a benefactor, to a dear friend, a neutral person, and then to oneself. But today, We'll begin with oneself and a respected benefactor. It takes some persistence, some patience, perseverance to stay with only one or two beings in our practice. So we'll be training in that today. We begin traditionally with oneself. If you found in the past or you find during this sitting that you can't stay with oneself, then go on to a benefactor or someone you respect that you can easily open your heart to. Even when I say the words for oneself, you can translate it for that being. Tuning into your heart center and knowing what your particular intention is with regard to doing this training in loving kindness. Say what it is for yourself in your own heart something simple or something profound. May we incline our hearts towards loving-kindness without any attachment to result. Beginning with oneself or the benefactor, take some time to reflect on this person's goodness that you are choosing. 
on some of the beautiful qualities of heart that we know are already present. It's a matter of being honest with oneself, not prideful, just honest. Take some time to reflect. It might simply be, I do the best I can. And then with the reflections that we will use, we incline the mind towards loving kindness. I'll offer a few reflections or phrases, and you can repeat silently the one I offer, use your own, change the words. You can repeat silently at your own pace with space in between or not so much space in between the words or phrases. May I be safe and protected in all ways. repeating silently your own phrase. May I be peaceful and happy.
May I be healthy and strong. May I be at ease with the conditions of my life. Now putting one or two of these to memory, if you haven't yet, the ones that resonate with you. May I be safe, protected, peaceful and happy. healthy and strong. Or without words, just offering this intention to yourself. It can be an energy from the heart, a color, a warmth, or a coolness from the heart. See what works for you. Let the phrases or the intentions keep you grounded in the practice. If you get off track, just come back and begin again.
continuing with oneself if you choose or moving on to the second individual a respected person someone that you can easily open your heart to benefactor have a sense of who you are choosing it can be someone younger even a child can be an animal friend You can have a visual sense of this person or a felt sense. Or simply use this person's or being's name before each of your reflections or phrases. Remember the good of this person or being. It's said that the proximate cause for metta to arise is remembering the good. Notice what your heart, your body does when you remember the good. If there's anything to notice. And then offering loving-kindness to this individual as an offering, as a blessing, not as a desire. May you be safe in all ways. Allowing that offering to arise from your heart center, letting it go into the ethers of life. May you be peaceful and happy.
healthy and strong. May you be at ease with the changing conditions of your life. Or let your offering be represented by an energy, a color, a light, without words.
returning to your heart center. And choosing someone immediately around you, to the side, to the front, or the back, just knowing who that one is in your mind and heart, and offering loving kindness to that individual. May you be safe on your journey, your inner journey your outer journey in life. And then see if we can open to include everyone here in the room. May you always be protected by love and wisdom. On your journey. Then opening to include also everyone here on this land. All the human beings all the creatures and animals, all the insects, all beings. May you all be safe, protected. All the neighbors around, happy, peaceful, or without words, offering your loving kindness, extending a light, a color that represents this intention. reaching out to include all of our loved ones and friends, wherever they may be, near or far. May you all be safe. Breathing in with that intention Letting it go with an out-breath. May all beings everywhere, in all directions, without exception, those seen and unseen, known and unknown, May you all be peaceful and happy. All the leaders of the world, may wisdom and compassion 
be your constant companions. May we dedicate the positive, wholesome energy of our practice in this sitting and today to all beings everywhere, especially those who have passed away. By the dedication and sharing of this merit, may all beings be happy, peaceful, May all beings be liberated. So I'll give a little time on most days for any questions you may have about the practice so that you can clarify anything. Yeah. Well, it depends on your, your intention or where you're coming from. If you're coming from a place of wisdom, you know that you'll know deeply that that's the um, inclination of your life. That's the aspiration of your life. It's not going to happen like in this sitting. If it did, well, you should be up here, you know. <laughs> um, so just understanding with wisdom that it's, it's a natural process, it's a gradual process. When you can understand all of these uh, phrases or these reflections with wisdom, we know that it's nothing we grasp at. It's just something that we incline our minds and hearts to. It's an open-ended intention. We don't know where, how it will go, really. But if we know Um, if we know what our aim is, this is kind of a long-range aim for a lot of us, for all of us, that we could see that faraway mountain. But we don't know how yet how we're going to get there. We kind of know the path, but, you know, we're making choices at every turn. So um, it doesn't have to be a controlling thing if you look at it, if you say it with wisdom. Mm-hmm. Understanding that there, that life is full of change and that everything is selfless. May greed, hatred, and delusion be purified from my own heart and mind. I mean, that's where, when you expand that saying, that's where it can really come from. But you say it in short with that understanding kind of uh, as a platform for it. So all of these, uh, 
all of these reflections, all of these phrases have the platform of that wisdom and that uh, ever-deepening wisdom, really, because we understand that more and more deeply as we go on in our practice. That's a good question. Thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess I'm used to doing it more quickly, and I found that my mind was wandering off onto that person's story. Yeah, or, yeah. Yeah, you know, their circumstances, or yeah. my relationship with them. Um, so the tempo, yeah. And uh, yes, I do it, I'll do it really slowly up here, so people who need to take in something and remember it have time to do that. But you can do it more quickly in your own, sometimes over and over again, one phrase butts up against another. And um, when I was, when I do practice, I've done a couple, three long-term metta practices. They're quick, you know, they're very quick. Sometimes, but sometimes they're slow. In the beginning, they're more up against one another, just to give you a reality check on that. Mm-hmm. And also, um, how, many, how many phrases, I mean, I, I have... Uh, yeah. I have like eight favorite phrases or something, you know, is that like getting carried away or is it, I don't know. Yeah, you want to keep it simple. Mm-hmm. So maybe simple to you is eight, but mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and you want to keep it simple, but you want to also keep it juicy so that you're not just rotely, I mean, you may ro- be rotely saying something, but it's with a lot of consciousness, but you want to keep it so that you're interested yeah, so that there's interest in, in the phrase, or there's a kind of sinking into the meaning of it in a way where your heart can really be with it. Um, so mostly the direction is from, from those I've taken direction from, is to keep it simple. So you may, you may keep it as simple as, may you be happy, but you know that means a lot. It, you don't have to be specific about where they're going to have that happiness by you know, like, I'll be really happy if I lose 10 pounds in this retreat, or (laughs) if I eat less, or, um, you know, it's better general, it's really much better to be, because the more, the more specific we get, there's a tendency for more attachment to arise to the result of that. But the more general we are, it's, it can stay pretty open-ended that we don't know how that's going to turn out. We just kind of let it go into the spirit of life. So if I say for myself, may I be filled with loving kindness and compassion, which is one of the phrases I use. Yeah. That feels pretty pure, if you will. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when I say it for other people, I'm, I, you know, am I being prescriptive or you know, judgmental? Yeah, that's a good point. So if you're saying it for others where you, you, say, you, you know that that's something you want for them because it'll make your life easier or somehow there's some attachment to result, then, I, then when you notice that, I would just notice that that's happening and then refrain from saying that phrase. Go to something more general so that you, you might constantly be making some shifts. Or, for example, sometimes um, 
for an elderly person, for one that I was my one of my benefactors, uh, may you be healthy and strong. Well, I know her health is declining, you know, and I I want her. She's 94, and I want her to live longer. But I so I noticed that there was a little bit of clinging to a result there. Um, so it was easier for me to say, to offer that the uh, loving kindness of may you be at ease with how your body and mind are now. Yeah. So. Also, this is always comes up in a metta uh, period of can we offer to those who have passed away? Can we offer loving kindness? So for this, for the way we're doing it now, for the sense of really we're doing some concentration practice, but mostly we're learning how to incline our minds there so it becomes a habit. It's okay to, if that, if those are the only people that we can bring up, say, as a benefactor, sometimes people can't find any other benefactor except someone who's passed away, and so that's okay. It's better to try to choose someone who's living today, but if you can't, then it's okay. Anything else? Yeah. Oh, benefactor, yeah. Someone who has benefited you, basically. Um, it, it doesn't have to be some great teacher or uh, like, you know, well, I don't have the Dalai Lama as my teacher, and we think that that's going to be someone like a benefactor. But it could be someone, um, like for example, just being with my grandchildren, you know, they're benefactors to me because they teach me, they open my heart basically. And so I might think of just a short moment not too long ago when I was with one of my little grandgirls and just the way she was with me, you know, it opened my heart. So I remember that and she could be my benefactor for that time period. Or someone uh, said to me once that it, she couldn't find anybody but her animal friend, you know. So sometimes that's the case. Okay, very good. So there'll be more as you go along, more ways that you'll find um, that it's easier for you and places where you might come up against a wall that you need to clarify. And we'll have time to do that during these days together. And thank you for your practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.